Hello everyone, welcome to Adoption Adventures. Hoping your day is going well. I'm currently recording this in the midst of our Platinum Jubilee weekend. Um, so I'm hoping that if you're listening to this in real time, you've just had a nice long weekend. And I'm hoping that you've enjoyed that long weekend. Um, I am currently on a on a walk, so traffic noise is expected. Um, so I I think I indicated in our last um, episode <clears throat> that I'd done another um, bit of research, another sort of um, topic to discuss with Adopter Voice. And um, I was going to talk about it. Now, it's a topic that we've covered a number of times, but this is a a new angle on it. Um, Those of you that follow us on Instagram, uh, adoption.adventures, by the way, um, I recently did a poll on our page about the language used for the terminology of contact. I'd been... I've been contacted by a manager within our region and that manager had been tasked with I think the term they use is modernising adoption I think what they're looking at is are we stuck using language and are we stuck using terms that are now quite outdated and in many ways holding future applications back Um, and they're looking at ways to sort of improve their own communication own language so as they inspire new adopters to come through the ranks um, but also making families much more comfortable and confident in their in their position Um, and the first thing that they wanted to look at was contact and they wanted to look at the terminology that was used for contact. And an idea that they've sort of floated was um, instead of the term contact, changing it to keeping in touch. And I asked if I could just reach out to our sort of mailing list and, and ask that question. Check it out. Um, now then, when I first saw the, the question, I, I didn't see any sort of real major concerns with that as a question. Um, I saw it as a, a positive that we were looking at this and kind of considering using different language to, to help people along their journeys. Um, I could see the benefit in changing it from something sterile to something a bit more emotive um, and I, I I like the fact that we were asking the question so I went out to the, the network and asked their thoughts what was interesting was um, the the results that we got back were relatively close um, so 
we had 58 votes for keeping in touch and 64 votes for keeping with contact. Um, so great response rate, um, but quite a close race. Now, what I then did is I sort of delved a bit deeper into the data and deeper into the answers that were coming back. And um, what became evident was those that were suggesting keeping in touch being preference, they sort of, um, they indicated that they felt that it was quite emotive language and it would be quite nice to sort of move away from clinical, but they weren't massively passionate about those feelings. The responses when it came to people who wanted to stick with contact, more often than not, the people that emailed me or messaged me about sticking with that term, that tended to have quite an emotive um, sort of language that went alongside it. And what I mean by that is people were saying, you know, quite passionately that they wanted... No worries. Excuse the interruption. Um, yeah, those that said that they wanted to stick with um, contact, they came back with quite passionate responses. Um, some of them using the same sort of language that the other votes got as well, saying keeping in touch is too emotive, it's too light, it's too fluffy, it's not clinical enough. And some people were saying, you know, the term contact, it carries some sort of gusto, carries some weight with it. So it encourages all parties to stick with it. Um, I then saw a number of people responding and it was quite a high number of people that responded saying, keeping in touch indicates that everyone does stay in touch. And that's not the case for all people. And, you know, having that as a term could be misleading to, to our children because it can actually be really difficult when our children don't hear back and our birth families aren't keeping in touch. Um, which I thought was really, it was valid and really interesting. Um, language that I then heard um, that I found quite um, disappointing. Um, I think I'm going to say disappointing, but I'm, I'm looking at this with rose-tinted glasses. Um, but people came back and said, you know, we don't get anything back, we don't hear anything back, so who, not in these words, but who cares what you call it, it doesn't really matter because our birth parents can't be bothered to write back. Um, and I struggle with that. Um, 
The reason I struggle with that is because I've gone through a period of little dude's mum not responding to our letters. At no point did I think that she couldn't be bothered. Um, and I might, I might be wrong, and there might be plenty of examples that you can sort of shine in my way, but I'm of the strong opinion that when our birth families are not writing back, it's not because they can't be bothered. That's, that's not, in my opinion, that's not an emotion they're going through. Any interaction I've ever had with birth families or sort of connections of connections of birth families, it's not that they're not bothering. It's largely that it's too hard and it's too difficult for them. And I, I guess, I guess I found that sort of response was still harboring a lot of anger towards birth families, um, which I always find quite, quite sad to see because I was talking to a colleague of mine that we deliver training on this and we spend pretty much a day with our adopters talking about contact in all of its forms and and we work really really hard to sort of acknowledge the anger allow the anger accept the anger that we have and that some people have towards birth families that's fine but I think you need to get to a point where whilst yes you might be angry you've also got to try to understand their world um, and you know when when I met with Laura and Peggy from two good Buns, you know they they opened my eyes so so greatly to some of the experiences and some of the thought processes but one one particular thought process I think it was Peggy to talk about was when was the last time this when people ever actually wrote a letter who has ever taught them how to write a letter it's such a formal process it's such a formal experience and and what do they say? What are they supposed to write? Um, so I guess I find it easier to empathise um, with our birth families. Um, I don't know what they're going through, but I do know that what they've gone through is really tough. Um, I, I've said many a time, and I'm reiterate doesn't matter how bad things get it doesn't give anyone a right to poorly treat children there's never an excuse never an excuse for poorly treating human beings around a child so I'll never I will never forgive those actions, 
Never. But I can take the time to understand that there's more at work there. And I guess that's what I hope other adopters do too. Um, but yeah, that was really emotive language that was used and quite quite frequently when I was getting the responses like that, that was what was being said. What I then found really interesting was there was quite a few people that came back and said, you know, I I don't think this should even be a topic for discussion. Why are we talking about this when there's so many other issues at hand to deal with? And I I went back to all of those respondents and said, you know, those topics are still being dealt with, they're still being spoken about, but we have to understand that there's a plethora of issues and and there's a whole host of different topics that we've got to talk about. And just because you're talking about one doesn't mean that you're ignoring the other. And if you start to break down the barriers of one, does it mean that you then start to improve the other? It's all joined together. It's all one topic. And the topic is making adoption more successful making it more achievable, making it more accessible, and ensuring that our children come away having the very best of experiences. And I acknowledge that when, when these teams are getting together saying, you know, what, what can we do to improve things? They're doing that to, to help tomorrow's children and tomorrow's families. Um, Perhaps, perhaps I am looking at it with rose-tinted glasses and perhaps I need to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, brutal with my thought process. Perhaps I need to hold them to account a little bit more. But I actually don't. I don't hold them to account for it. I think that it's really positive that they are looking at this sort of thing and asking that sort of question among all of the other work that they're doing. Um, one thing that I did note, which I found really interesting, was all of the responses, it was very rare where I would hear anyone respond and talk about um, meeting up with siblings or grandparents or extended networks. All of, or, the large majority of the responses were focused on birth parents. And I think that speaks volumes for itself. That when we are talking about contact, we still go straight to birth parents. We're not talking about the whole birth family. And I I genuinely believe that if I went back to all of those people that were passionate about keeping term contact, and I said, right, now we're just looking at changing it for meeting up with siblings, I'm, I'm confident that the vast majority of them would say, oh, it doesn't even need a term, we just meet up, it's very casual, or 
keeping in touch sounds a lot nicer. I, I, I wouldn't say that happens for everyone because it doesn't happen for everyone. I've heard many a case where siblings um, sort of aren't seeing one another because the adopters just aren't buying into that process or can't or any other sort of word really, um, just don't. Um, but the thought process of an adopter does still go straight to birth parents and our walls go up at that point. Um, understandable, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging it, but that is what happens um, in the vast majority of cases. And I found that, like I said, I found that very, very interesting. And it, it speaks to how perhaps I worded the question. Um, and I would be keen to find out more. But for me, I think that the results and the responses indicated that there was still so much more work to be done around contact and understanding birth families. Um, I, I don't proclaim to know it all or feel that we've got it knuckled down or that we're the best at it. But I like to think that our views and our approach is open and that when I think of contact, I think of birth families, I think of birth siblings, foster placements, foster carers. It's a, it's all encompassing. Um, and I'm worried, I'm worried that people don't understand or perhaps are neglecting some really, really fundamental, important parts of the process of respecting our children's past, even when it's tough. I've mentioned before, you know, little dude's biological father, that has been a real challenge. Um, he is not someone that we are in touch with. He is someone that has deemed that he does not want to be in touch. He has not been asked recently. Um, but each time that he was asked previously, it wasn't something that he was interested in. And that is something that we've had to deal with with Little Dude. He has had questions. We have not always had answers. And sometimes when we have the answers, it's not a nice one. And that's really hard. It's, and it's horrible to be in that situation. But pretending like the guy doesn't exist won't help. Acting like he's not out there and not allowing little dude to talk about him isn't going to help. It's not going to help anyone. Little dude had 
so many questions about his dad because we didn't have any answers. So searching for them, prowling for these little tidbits of information, and finally getting the information as soon as we had some of the answers to some of little dude's questions, that was it. He was comfortable, he was confident, he was like, yep, tick that box, I don't need to go there anymore, thank you very much. What would have happened if he didn't? Would he have gone searching on his own? And I found out that he might particularly nice. So this person would not have been a safe person for little dude to meet unaccompanied. So what would have happened if he had done that? It's just some food for thought. Um, and, and some of you right now, you, you might be agreeing fervently with me, or you might be passionately disagreeing with me. You might feel that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm completely wrong on this and that we shouldn't be looking at changing any language or any language at all. And you know what, that, that's absolutely fine, but I would love to hear from you. I'd love to discuss it. I'd love to, I'd love to find out where you are and perhaps I've missed something. You know, perhaps, perhaps I'm looking at it from the wrong angle and perhaps I'm not seeing some of the things and some of the risks to staying in touch, some of the risks to sort of making whatever your situation is work as best as it can. Um, and I, I, I Genuinely want to add as well, I'm not suggesting that adopters are not doing their best. It's not what I'm going for here. Because you have to do what you think is right, and you have to do what you think is right for your circumstances and your children. I do not know everyone's situations and everyone's circumstances. So, hey, there's more at play there, there's more at work. Um, it can be really, really disruptive to have any form of contact, and that can be really challenging for families. And perhaps you as a family have said, actually, it hurts our child more to stay in touch, so we're going to stop it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'd love to find out more, and I'd love to, I'd love to have a, a conversation with you if you would like to think um, so drop me a line um, it's Instagram and Facebook is Adoption Dot Adventures Twitter Adoption Advent 1 or drop me an email adoptionadventures123 at gmail.com um, get in touch and let me know where you're at um, until next time thank you as always for listening loving having you here. Um, for those of you that are interested, I am now 1.31 miles into my walk. Um, I'm just about to go for a swim as well. Uh, so it's a good start to my day, but I am absolutely exhausted. <laughs> um, so yeah, once again, thank you as always. Um, love that you listening um, 
And if you want to get in touch, please do. Until then, catch you later.